All right, on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report Postgame Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. It is officially Super Bowl week as we are counting down the days until the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. And joining us on this Monday show to go behind enemy lines and provide the Bucks perspective, also the hometown perspective from Tampa Bay. It is Mr. Tampa himself, TJ Reeves, who joins us right now from the Bucks Radio Network. TJ! Set the scene for us. How are things in uh, in Tampa Bay, my friend? Well, it is always good whenever I can break bread figuratively with the Tyler Jones and the Jones Report, but especially when it is Super Bowl 55 week, and it's right here in Tampa, in Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay area at Raymond James Stadium, as you mentioned. Tyler, I have been a resident of the Tampa Bay area for 38 years. I have been in and around the Super Bowl and Super Bowl week, but this one is going to be unique. It's going to be special. I'll get into this with you as we go along. My family and I were actually in and around the NFL experience earlier today on the day that we're taping on Sunday for the release of your show here on Monday. Uh, it, it is going to only ramp up from here. We know a lot of people from the Kansas City Metro, a lot of Chiefs fans from the Midwest will make their way here. A lot of fans, period, Tyler, will make their way here from a lot of different places because Florida's a lot more open than a lot of other states right now with COVID-19 and the restrictions and the guidelines. There'll be a lot of fans that are going to make their way into this area just to be part of the spectacle that don't necessarily have tickets uh, to the game. So all of that will be ramping up, but it, it is it is already nutso for the residents and the people around here. I cannot imagine what next Saturday, Saturday night, and Sunday are going to be like already uh, because uh, for a team to – this team uh, has captivated this area over the last three weeks, and none of the games have been here. And now the Super Bowl is here with them in it. It's crazy. It is, and we always talked about for how many years the opportunity would be, how cool it would be if somebody got the chance to actually host the Super Bowl, and we've seen a couple times in NFL history where maybe a team got to play down the road, the Rams getting to play in the Rose Bowl, or the Niners getting to play at Stanford Stadium, but never the situation like the Bucks are about to experience of getting to host the Super Bowl in their own stadium, and of course the guy to finally break that cursive source of sorts would be Tom Brady to be able to do this. TJ, uh, I want to go back in time a little bit. You have to kind of remember where you came from to appreciate where you're at right now. And I think back to March, you and I had a phone call for about 30 or 40 minutes, and I mentioned the possibility. What, what about Tom Brady maybe to Tampa? Is that even possible? Is that even on the radar? And we heard all these different places about where Tom could possibly end up. Tampa was not number one on most of the so-called experts lists from the beginning, but then now here they are in the Super Bowl with Brady with the guys that he's helped bring in to really retool this offense to do what, uh, what he wants to do with Bruce Arians. It's quite the story, uh, a fast track, especially in this COVID times for the fact that Tampa Bay's got to this point. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I'll be the first one to admit, uh, you know this about me, I, I am uh, I'm one of those that says, hey, I'll admit when I was wrong. And I was wrong last January and February when I kept telling everybody, 
He's not going to play anywhere other than New England. I firmly believe he would finish his career as a Patriot and retire. And that if he was really done at the end of the 2019 season, it would be to retire. So I was as shocked as anybody that he was putting it in play that I want to play somewhere besides New England. And then the second phase of that is the Buccaneers have been a punchline. They have been a punching bag. They have been ridiculed for bad football. Tyler, the, the Bucs had fired five head coaches over the course of the last 12 years, five going back to John Gruden. So to think that Tom Brady would look at this situation above uh, other ones, whether it was the Las Vegas Raiders playing the first year in Las Vegas, which seems sexy, whether it was to go play for the Chargers who were trying to figure out their quarterback situation last March and had not yet drafted Justin Herbert. Might it be another team that was Indianapolis making the play? They ended up with Phillip Rivers in free agency. On and on down the list, where would he end up? And he ends up in Tampa Bay. Um, it, it, was, it, it was stunning. It was wild that he would choose to be here. Uh, the greatest quarterback in terms of success rate in the Super Bowl and all the postseason accomplishments. I mean, nobody's going to touch some of these records. The fact that he would want to come here and kind of reboot his legacy, reboot his legacy in the final year, two, maybe three years. Who knows how much more he's going to play? Maybe it's just this year. The fact that he was going to come here, it's, it's been amazing. And then things have now fallen into place. It was an interesting ride through the regular season where they struggled at the very beginning got rolling with a six-game uh, streak in, in which actually it was a seven-game streak, went six and one, kind of in the in the middle uh, half of the season, went six and one and were in great shape, then kind of forgotten about, Tyler, because they lost the game horribly to the Saints on Sunday Night Football, which everybody in the country saw, behind 31 nothing in the first half, blown away. Lost on Monday night a couple of weeks later at home, to the Rams, and then I know we'll talk a little more about the uh, obviously about the game with Kansas City, the first meeting in November. Lost that game too. Lost three out of four games. So now you fall off the consciousness of a lot of the sports fans who are thinking this team could be a Super Bowl team. And as it turns out, this team came together during the bye week, regrouped, benefited from some lesser competition as uh, as the end of the season came around for the final four games, and then have flipped a switch on here in the postseason. And lo and behold, Brady is showing why he is such a remarkable postseason quarterback with the way that he has played by and large over these last three games. And here the Bucs are still alive and in the Super Bowl. It's amazing, uh, for sure. Quite the story for the Bucs to, to be at this point. TJ, what clicked for this team? You mentioned that they played some you know lowly opponents there towards the end of the regular season of sorts, but something changed, in particular after that bye week. What did this team do differently to get to to get over the hump, to, to get on this run they've been on here the last few weeks? Offensively, biggest things, three of them. Number one, stop turning the ball over were a bunch of turnovers in those losses to the Saints, the Rams, and even the interceptions in the in the uh, Kansas City game. The next thing is penalties. Cleaned up a lot of the sloppy, poor play, especially on offense. And then I, I think Antonio Brown working into uh, the offense. Antonio Brown's first game was that Saints game. He clearly was not on the same page with Brady, maybe didn't know the playbook well enough, uh, and they were making mistakes and bad throws and key situations, and Brady threw a couple of uh, interceptions in that game, trying to get the ball to Antonio Brown. He really began to come on as a midseason acquisition at the right time in those final four games. 
uh, of the regular season. And, th- and this team found its stride and began to click. And really, you go back now seven full games, last four of the regular season, and, uh, and these last three now that you've won in the postseason – Yes, Antonio Brown got hurt in the first half of the New Orleans game, Tyler, and so he didn't play at all in the NFC Championship game, but the theme is still there. Take care of the football. Don't commit the penalties. Find the vertical passing game, which they have found again. Tom Brady making big plays up top. It has served them well to this point. It's a huge reason why they are where they are. Now, I know that we're still a few more days out, obviously, from the game itself happening, but but TJ, for – for this Bucs team, does it feel like a Bucs home game? Does it feel like the Super Bowl with them being there all week? The Chiefs aren't arriving in Tampa until uh, later this weekend, uh, a business trip of sorts in the case for Kansas City. What's it, what's kind of just this feeling for the Bucs? Does it feel like a home game or a Super Bowl? What's kind of just the, the feeling around this team going into this week? It absolutely is. I mean, just to, to set the scene for you, they their facility – uh, the Advent Health Training Center is the official name now. The old one buck place, as it's known, is right across the street from Raymond James Stadium. They have been practicing every day here in January in the shadow of the site of Super Bowl 55, looking at them, putting all the construction up, putting the Super Bowl 55 banners up literally right across the street. Uh, a Tyler Woods, a Tyler Jones three wood, let's say, uh, from the practice facility to get over to Raymond James Stadium from where they are. They're, they're going to dress in their own home locker room, something that has, has never been the case, as you mentioned, for any other Super Bowl team. They, they, they have the feel here for this week of, yes, the big game is here and we are here because under a normal circumstance, if Green Bay had won the game last week, it would be just like what Kansas City's doing. Green Bay wouldn't get here until Saturday, basically, to get ready for the game. The Bucks have been here since they won the – Uh, NFC championship game coming back home last Sunday night, seven days ago on the night that we're taping this. So it has had an opportunity for them to soak it all in, soak in the area and the accolades and be here all week in and around the Super Bowl scene. Of course, they're going to be focused on practice on the, uh, the film study, the weight room and all of that, but you're doing it in and around all the atmosphere. It's on the local news nonstop, uh, everywhere you go around the town, the Super Bowl 55 banners and the city limits are up everywhere, not just around the stadium, but around downtown or wherever you're going around in some of the different spots in Tampa in particular. Or even if you venture across to Pinellas County where St. Petersburg and Clearwater are, go across Tampa Bay, the body of water. There are Super Bowl 55 uh, hotels. There, there are going to be fans that are going to be there. There are signs up. So it's inescapable is my point. The, sure. bo- the Bucks have been soaking it in. Kansas City will be very late to the party getting in here on, on Saturday, but the Bucks have been here. Yeah. TJ Reeves, the uh, Bucks Radio Network, joining us here on the Jones Report today as we're talking Super Bowl. Chiefs and Buccaneers coming up this Sunday. And uh, TJ, the Bucks, they're the home team, although they've chosen to wear white. I don't think they wore the uh, the creamsicle. Was that in Brady's contract and never wear those things? <laughs> Yeah, the creamsicle has not happened. They're still trying to figure out if they can make that happen. Interesting that for the first playoff game, they had the red and the pewter on uh, in that one to go get it done. 
And yet they didn't want to go back to that Jersey scheme when they won the Super Bowl 18 years ago, which I'm sure we'll talk about again here. They were in the red and pewter against Oakland Raiders, but winning the last two games wearing the white jerseys and the pewter pants with the pewter helmet seemed to serve them well. So it was the Buccaneers choice. The NFC is the home team this year, air quotes, and the Bucks the literal home team now. So if the Packers had been here, they'd have gotten the choice or any other team, the Saints, uh, the Bears, any other playoff team that would have been uh, involved, the L.A. Rams would have got picked their jerseys. The Bucks picked the white and the pewter for what they want to wear. And part of that is Tom Brady has not one, not two, not three, but four Super Bowl wins in a white jersey in New England, wow. for whatever that's worth. In addition to two of the Buccaneer playoff wins for the last two weeks, the Patriots have been there. He's been there so many times. You don't wear the home every time when you're there over and over again. And they have won in the white jerseys with Tom Brady at the helm four different times. Okay. TJ, do you own any uh, Bucks cream sickle gear of some sorts? I do. I have all kinds of things. I know this is audio podcast, but I got, I got hats. I got, sh- I got old timey shirts. I got, a, I, 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 I saved this. I have a parka from back in the 1980s because, again, in Florida, we're weak. Anything below 50 degrees, we're freezing to death. So, like, the northeast on this Sunday night is getting annihilated with snow. Two feet in some areas in New York. In New England, they're getting a foot, a foot and a half of snow. It is bombarding them. In Florida, we don't know how to handle anything below 50 degrees. But I had an old-school bucko Bruce on the left breast, on the left lapel, buccaneer parka, thick jacket, that if I ever got cold where I was, and I went back to school in Memphis, and I had this parka with me back in 88 and 89. Old-school orange, neon orange, buccaneer parka. And the Bucks were so bad back in those days in the 80s. But, yeah, I absolutely have the stuff. I have the old... Uh, the the old uh, mid-1980s Buccaneer hat that has a Leroy Selman, the late Leroy Selman, hey, one of the great Buccaneers ever, autograph, Oklahoma guy, on the orange hat. So I got all kinds of stuff from it, the old uh, from the old Bucks. I, I know that this is, uh, you know, that we're enemies this week, but if you sent me something that was Bucks, the, the orange sickle, I would wear it just because how much I admire <laughs> that old scheme. Um, but it had to be after this week, of course. Uh, so, so TJ, with uh, with all this being said, as far as the uh, the Super Bowl being there in Tampa, Tampa's hosted some big events before. They've had the Super Bowl. You had that great game between the Steelers and the Cardinals several years ago. You had the national championship with Alabama and Clemson a few years back. Um, this is not unfamiliar territory for for Tampa to be to be hosting events of this uh, this magnitude here. No question about that. Well said. And that Clemson-Alabama finish was a phenomenal finish because uh, that Alabama team with Nick Saban with Jalen Hurts scored in the final minute, and it turned out they left Deshaun Watson too much time for Dabo Sweeney and Clemson to drive to the other end of the field and get the touchdown with 10 seconds left to win the national title game. I got the privilege of being there for that. Good grief, I'm getting old. That's four years ago that that one happened. You mentioned the Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl And that came, you know, obviously the COVID-19 shutdown of everything last year, the pandemic and what's happened after that, uh, awful, awful across the board for everything. So that's at a different level. But remember back in 2008, the economy had tanked big time and there was unemployment everywhere in the fall of 2008 into the winter of 2008. So it was really a shot in the arm for this area to be hosting the Super Bowl uh, back in the 2008 season, the January 2009 
uh, Super Bowl, whatever that is, Super Bowl 43, I think it was, yeah. with the Steelers and the and the Arizona Cardinals, which was One a phenomenal game. game. Yeah. Fen- yeah, phenomenal game. Uh, with uh, Larry Fitzgerald, remember scoring in the final like minute and a half on a on a catch and run from Kurt Warner, and then Ben Roethlisberger leads the Steelers down for the last minute touchdown and the and the touchdown pass on an incredible catch by Santonio Holmes in the end zone. So my point is that the Tampa Bay area got millions of dollars of help economically that week from the Steeler fans and the Cardinal fans and really NFL fans coming into this area to spend some money on hotels and restaurants and gas and souvenirs and merchandise and spending money at the beach and, and going to all the touristy things that you can go to the golf courses, uh, Bush gardens, amusement park. That's here in this, they were all partaking in all of that. So it helped this area a little bit, at least in late January uh, of 2009 during a huge economic downturn uh, recession. Uh, remember, Barack Obama had just been inaugurated as the president and was trying to fix the economy in his first 90 days in office. So the, the area just got a real shot in the arm is what I remember vividly about 12 years ago in that Super Bowl and a great and a great game. And I actually was at the first Super Bowl in Raymond James Stadium, which was a Baltimore Raven coronation as they destroyed the New York Giants in Super Bowl 36 which would have been January of 2002. That's Ray Lewis. That's Shannon Sharp. Jamal Lewis, the running back, had a big mm-hmm. postseason and a big Super Bowl win. And the Giants uh, with Kerry Collins and Amani Toomer and, and those guys under Tom Coughlin, they got buried. Uh, that might not have even been Coughlin. I think that might have been Jim Fossil still. I believe uh, so, with yeah. The, uh, yeah, I believe so with the Giants and the and the and the Ravens just buried them. And by the way, we just had the anniversary of 30 years ago, 30 years ago, the Buffalo Bills first Super Bowl at Old Tampa Stadium against the New York Giants. Also, that was a better memory for the Giants fans because that's the infamous Scott Norwood wide right for the Bills. That was their best chance to win any of those Super Bowls because after they lost to the Giants on the last second field goal miss, the Redskins blew them out and the Cowboys destroyed them twice. They lost four Super Bowls in a row. But the first one was at Old Tampa Stadium. And I was reminded of this this week uh, that that was just a week after the first Iraq war the first desert storm that took place in in January of 2001. They started that war to go after Iraq for having invaded in Kuwait the week before the Super Bowl. And and at that time, Tyler, as everybody talked about here, there was such security concern. They were maybe going to cancel, not play the game, postpone the Bills and the Giants, but they went ahead and played it. Whitney Houston sang the late Whitney Houston, the most famous Super Bowl national anthem ever. And then you had the thrilling, the best, the standard. I don't care who does what from here on out. Phenomenal. And then Scott Norwood misses the field goal and the Giants win and win the Super Bowl. All of that was 30 years ago, my friend, in this area. Incredible that that's been 30 years. So Tampa's got a history in and around this Super Bowl game for sure. And and none of those memories top all those great Outback Bowls, right? (laughs) <laughs> now that hey listen let me let me share a little secret with you okay that game is something else because that's one of the few games where outback is readily available at the concession stands number oh. one expensive yes on new year's day <laughs> to kick off new year's day, but it's also available to the media so okay. if you ever get a chance tyler jones to come cover the outback bowl you got to come do that because the media food is beyond belief you end up making 
every New Year's resolution go by the wayside on New Year's Day afternoon because you're eating 18 pounds of Outback steak, chicken, shrimp, uh, blooming onions, whatever else you got. So we love the Outback Bowl. And that's now that's now been here 30 years as well. It's been the Outback Bowl really for about the last 25 years or so as the sponsor. It's incredible that that game has gone on as long as it has. So, yeah, there's been some big events here. Women's Final Four was here recently. Um, won by Baylor and uh, Sabrina Ionescu and and uh, Oregon were in that Final Four, but Baylor, I believe, won that Final Four. If I'm if I'm got my women's basketball correct from a couple of years ago, but they've had the men the men's Final Four has been here as well back in 1999 with UConn. So we've had some events, Stanley Cups uh, in this area when the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Cup in 04. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series in 08. The interesting thing, Tyler, I know you didn't ask me this right here. But the Rays are involved in a sixth, uh, in, over the course of the last six months, a third attempt to go for a championship for a Tampa Bay team. And how crazy is this? The Lightning won the championship in Edmonton, Canada, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, in a bubble with no fans at all there. The Rays were going for the World Series. They first had to go to San Diego, California, and play in an empty stadium because of the COVID-19 rules and guidelines and safety. Beat the Yankees, beat the Astros, the Rays did, in San Diego. Then got to have about 10,000 fans at Arlington, Texas, where they lost to the Dodgers. And now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will get to play at home. At least a few thousand Buccaneer fans are expected to be there. A few thousand Chiefs fans. But you're going for a third championship in a third different sport in a six-month time frame from going back to September now all the way through to January. Pretty wild in terms of big events for this area. Oh, no doubt about it. And uh, going to be a decent crowd on hand, about 25,000 for this Super Bowl. And they're doing a really cool thing where 7,500 healthcare workers uh, from all around the country are going to get to go to the Super Bowl, too. So uh, we, we haven't seen TJ, you know, big crowds in a while. 25,000, that's as big as about any crowd we've seen in sports as of late here in the last nine months. Well, and I'll just I'll share this because uh, a, a family uh, was telling us this, friends of ours, that one of the relatives is a frontline uh, worker and has been an ER physician at Tampa General Hospital and an emergency room doctor. And she it's a she uh, she got notified earlier this week. You're in. She's a vaccinated healthcare worker. She's got a ticket to Super Bowl 55. And how special is that? And, and they have hundreds and hundreds from around the Tampa Bay area, this region. But there are thousands more, Tyler, that they are bringing here from That's outside right. of the Tampa Bay area and Orlando. It's pretty cool to bring these people here on the NFL's dime. Let them stay. Um, in a secure bubble environment on Saturday night. They're, they're vaccinated uh, twice to be protected from COVID-19 and get to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, God, God love all of these people that, again, I, I don't think we could stress enough, have given uh, weeks and months of their lives over the course of the last eight or nine months to take care of all of the ill and critically ill. So it's great that they get to come and celebrate and be part of this. It's fantastic what the NFL did. It's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, our buddy JT the Brick oh, claims yeah. claims victory that he was the Brick was one of the ones back during the season back during like October November and said hey we got to get the vaccine in these frontline workers and then let's reward them let's let them come to the Super Bowl as many as can he was suggesting that and banging that drum back in November December and sure enough 
It's not the only reason that the NFL did it, but the NFL took that idea and put it into motion. And now that, that is just neat that there are, I mean, you talk about memory of a lifetime, incredible that that many are going to get to come be part of this. No, no question about it. That's fantastic. TJ Reeves, Bucks radio network, John, I guess here on the Jones report this week. So TJ, if you look back at that previous matchup between the chiefs and the Bucks, here's what I saw. I saw a chiefs team that totally outmatched the Bucks. that, in particular, that first half just ran them out of the building. And in the second half, the Chiefs, you know, put the, their foot on the brakes for a bit and tried to wear out a clock and really just, you know, try not to show too much and, and let that get to a three-point game. But I felt like the Chiefs were much better than the Bucks than what that score, final score would indicate. The Bucks get that backdoor cover uh, in that game there. Now you fast forward. What type of game do you think we see this time? Do you think that the Bucs have made up that significant gap that there was from that first meeting. All right. So you and I have talked about this before and you have your point of view. You're there in the Midwest and the chiefs were devastating in the first quarter of that game and Tyreek Hill with 200 yards. It was almost laughable how open he was and the damage that he was doing. But I keep saying to you, my friend, it is a four quarter game and the Buccaneers hung in there. And in fact, had gotten the momentum late in the first half they, they stopped the Chiefs and got a sack fumble on Patrick Mahomes to keep the game from getting completely away from them. And then they drove down and got a touchdown. Then they came out to start the second half of the game and got a, and got a big drive going and didn't score. They had first and goal inside the 10 and didn't score a touchdown. Instead, kicked a field goal. That was a big momentum swing the Chiefs' way. The Chiefs intercepted Tom Brady a couple of times in that second half. The second one basically put the game away. Uh, with the Buccaneers trying to have a chance to go and maybe tie it uh, at the end. So I give them a little more credit than you do for being competitive in that game. That game was not a blowout in the second half. The Chiefs were still having to play to try to win it. Uh, it was not like it was a four-touchdown game. The Tampa Bay scored two touchdowns in the final five minutes and made it look closer. Um, and, and I think what the Buccaneers have learned from that game in particular is, number one, they're going to be two guys in and around Tyreek Hill the entire time. They may be at the hotel with him, Tyler Jones. They may be with him when he gets off the bus to buck defenders on Tyreek Hill. Well, that means you're uh, going to leave Travis game. Kelsey wide open then. Pick your poison. And Kelsey Kelsey may benefit from that. Uh, Mecole mm -hmm. Hardman may benefit from that. We'll see. Will Patrick Mahomes have the same time to throw? Because there's a key Buccaneer defensive lineman that didn't play in the first game, Vita Vea, the number one pick, 350 pounds listed, probably closer to about 370 or 375. And ask Aaron Rodgers if it was a difference to have Vita Vea pushing against the middle and the, and the double teams where he couldn't step up in the pocket and Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul ate his lunch last Sunday at the night we're taping here at Lambeau Field. So Mahomes is going to have a different element to deal with if Vea's there in the middle, jamming up the middle of the pocket where he has trouble stepping up uh, with Barrett on the outside and JPP on the outside to maybe make life a little more difficult. There is no doubt the Chiefs are a high-powered offense. You mentioned Kelsey. He's going to be a problem. Hardman's going to be a problem. Demarcus Robinson, you got weapons galore. But if you're the Buccaneers, you kind of want to operate with the same formula. Be right in the game in the second half and then make the plays on defense in particular to win you the football game. They got three takeaways in the second half at the Saints. And then they got two key stops. They got a key takeaway in the third quarter and an immediate touchdown to make the game 28-10 against Green Bay third quarter. And then they got two key stops in the fourth quarter making the Packers have to punt 
were enormous, and that's all it took to help put that game away. That may be all that it takes. It may only take a stop or two in the second half of this game if it's close with Kansas City. That's part of the formula that the Bucs will be looking for. Well, and uh, you look at the Chiefs. This is a team that's not going to have Eric Fisher, their you know Pro Bowl left tackle. He's out for this game after that Achilles injury he suffered in the AFC Championship game. Mitchell Schwartz has been out for most of the second half of the season. The front seven for the Bucs has been phenomenal. Some of the best front seven, if not the best in the league, you pair that up with a Chiefs team that's missing their their starting tackles. The the path to victory for the Bucs is, is getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but on the flip side too, if he beats you on the blitz, then uh, then you got big then you got other problems to deal with too. It's uh it, it's a big risk, risk versus reward situation for the Bucs there. Well, there, there is no doubt uh, that the Bucs didn't have to blitz as much against Green Bay and, and really not against New Orleans either. Uh, and so that's going to be one of the big keys. Do they have to try to blitz him to get pressure on him and he can burn you? Uh, and I don't think anybody in, in – if you got the Bucs privately, Bruce Arians, uh, Todd Bowles, instead of them, are you going to hold Patrick Mahomes to like 200 yards passing and 13 points? Of course not. The key is – are you going to keep him from getting 400 or 450 and four or five touchdowns? That's the difference. If it is somewhere in between, if he has a 300-yard game and two, maybe three touchdowns, do you have a chance to win the game? Of course you do. If he gets to 400 yards, if he's got three or four touchdowns and you're not to the fourth quarter yet, Bucks are in big trouble. I will say this. You look at the vulnerability at the end of the year in the game against Atlanta at home when they had to win and they're trying to lock up the number one seed and Mahomes threw one interception in that game and he almost and should have thrown an interception with two minutes to go that would have croaked him and Atlanta would have knelt on the ball, killed the clock and beat him. Shoulda, coulda, woulda um, in that one before the Falcons drove down with a chance to win and then missed the field goal on their own. You look at that game, you look at them falling behind 10 uh, 9-0 because of the missed extra point in the game last week. They have shown some vulnerability, a little bit of vulnerability. And so if you're the Bucs, you look at that and say, okay, are they going to be on point? Or are they going to make mistakes? Are they going to let us hang around? That's the chess match. That's the back and forth. That's what we're looking forward to coming up on Sunday in Super Bowl 55. TJ, I hate the conversation about who's the greatest of all time or anything like that because it's all subjective and every era of football is different. But – for me, I look at this matchup, TJ, and this does mean a lot for history's sake. If if Patrick Mahomes loses to Tom Brady here, it's going to be hard for him to ever be measured up to the same level of Tom Brady, for Brady to be at the end of his career and to, to get that win of sorts. It, it, it seems like that, you know, Tom Brady and the Bucs here, with, with where they're at, with being the five seed and everything, they – they're playing essentially as, as if they have nothing to lose. As the defending Super Bowl champs, I look at this, TJ, I think all the pressure's on Kansas City here. What say you? Well, it's a good point that you make, that the expectations were not there for the Bucs, and the expectations have been there since the last Super Bowl win 52 weeks ago. Can the Chiefs do it again? Can they repeat? What, what kind of legacy will Mahomes have? Uh, and, and bear in mind, when they won a year ago, they didn't have to beat New England. New England had already been taken care of by the Tennessee Titans. Previously, the year before, in Mahomes' first year as the starter, uh, Brady and company came from behind, you remember it well, at Arrowhead, got the game tied and won in overtime. 
So that that is being pointed to as well in the analysis of this game. It's the last time Mahomes and Brady hooked up in the postseason, Brady broke the Chiefs' hearts and Mahomes and the, and the KC fans' hearts uh, with that win. All, all I know is this. Yes, we can, we can talk about different eras, et cetera. There, there is not another quarterback that has six Super Bowl rings. Uh, in the modern era with free agency, with a salary cap, what they did and what he did leading New England – that's going to be unmatched. You're, you're not going to see a quarterback win six championships over the course of a 20-year stay with, with the same team. I don't think that's Mahomes. I don't think that's anybody else. Um, it, it's remarkable. I mean, consider this, all right? If the, if the Buccaneers win this game, and I believe they will, even though you didn't ask my prediction, what do you expect me to say on the Jones Report that I think Kansas City's going to win a game? I work for the Buccaneers, Tyler. But if, if they do win, and I believe they will, that's seven Super Bowl wins from Brady. He denies... Patrick Mahomes now, now second Super Bowl winner. That means of the active quarterbacks that are around, let's start going down the list because of, of who's out and, and who's still in. Peyton Manning is, has long <laughs> since retired. Aaron Rodgers, who the Bucs just beat, has one Super Bowl win. Russell Wilson has one Super Bowl win. Patrick Mahomes has one Super Bowl win. Nick Foles got one, but who knows if he's ever going to be a starter again in the NFL. He got one recently for Philadelphia. He has a Super Bowl win. Other than that, Eli Manning's retired with two of them. Peyton got a second one with the Denver Broncos. His Big second Ben's two. got two. Uh, yeah, Big Ben's got two, but how many more does he go? I mean, can Big Ben play this season? Can he play <laughs> he better, next season? He better not. <laughs> I mean, he may not play much beyond 2021, if at all. So if Brady has seven, who gets to three? Who gets to four in the next five years I mean, you'd love to think maybe the Chiefs could be that team, but how much can they hold it together? Well, now on the on the converse, let's talk sure. about it. If Mahomes wins, that's two of them, and Brady only has only six at that point. <laughs> it seems a little more reachable for Patrick Mahomes, doesn't it? At that point, right? And he only needs four more to get there. Um, the remarkable one that we keep talking about down here, and this is why we love kicking these uh, things around and looking at the numbers. So Brady is about to play this <laughs> Sunday. 20 years after his first Super Bowl win uh, in the Super Bowl in 2002, 19, 19 years, 20, 20 um, seasons of his career. So is, is Patrick Mahomes going to play in the Super Bowl in 2040? Think about that now. Think, contemplate that, that to play in a Super Bowl 19 years later, is he going to play in 2039 or in 2040 in a Super Bowl, that's that's remarkable. That is staggering to contemplate that Mahomes, for longevity's sake, will have won one last year and then play in another one 18 or 19 years from now. It's incredible. Yeah, I would be uh, 44 years old at that point, and uh, I don't even want to. I don't want to say how old I would be. I don't want to say how old I would be. <laughs> Only as old as you think you are, TJ. Uh, <laughs> Amen. Think about speed limits. I would be a speed limit. I'm 51 now. I would be a speed limit. Think about that for Mahomes to, to do what Tom Brady's going to do this Sunday. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's the task at hand. Uh, it should be uh, fascinating. What does Mahomes, Mahomes have? He has five playoff wins, I believe. With yes. the uh, the three last year, does he have five or does he have six? I think he has five. I got to double check that in my stats for this week. He has right? uh, five. Yes, he has five. Tom Brady has thirty two <laughs> going into this weekend. 
Well, and that's the other thing. When Patrick, about- think about this now. All right. Patrick Mahomes has a Hall of Fame rest of his career <clears throat> and wins 15 more playoff games, right? He finishes at least 12 short of 32. If he wins 15 more playoff games, two or three more Super Bowls, Hall of Fame career, 32 playoff wins is ridiculous, well, sir. And that's ridiculous. one thing I look with Tom Brady at 44 years old is that he's not your typical 44-year-old in the sense that, okay, Phillip Rivers, who just announced he's retiring, how many playoff games did Phillip Rivers actually played in? I mean, you, you had to basically add how many more seasons – did he really play compared to the other quarterbacks? It's not even really fair to call him 44. I mean, that realistically is like a 46 or 47 year old at that rate. And the other, and the other thing is you look at Russell Wilson, who I mentioned, these are his contemporaries. Now that Peyton Manning again is retired, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, none of them have 15 playoff wins. That's how hard it is to win playoff games, longevity. It just, again, goes back to show you how dominant they were in New England, where it was virtually a guarantee every year they're going to win double figures and they're going to win at least a playoff game. I think there was only one year, actually last year was the second year, there was one year before last year where they didn't win at least one playoff game. The Ravens beat them one year in the wild card round uh, in New England. So it just it goes to show you what that longevity is and some of those records I mean, people keep talking about records are made to be broken. Well, my, my girls are 12. They're kids. All right, let me say that again. My 12-year-old's kids aren't going to probably live to see somebody win 32 or 33 playoff games. If Brady wins next Sunday, that's 33 playoff wins. Who's winning 33 playoff games in the NFL? Unless they totally change the rules and you can win five playoff games in a year or six, who's going to catch that anytime in the next let's say half century. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, the legacies of sorts, uh, coaching, Bruce Arians still looking for his first ring. He's in a very good career, but hasn't got the ring just yet. Andy Reid looking for his second with the longest of any coach in NFL history for as many years as he was head coach before finally getting that ring. What do you think of the coaching matchup with these two brilliant offensive minds. And remember, Reed got to the Super Bowl after the the Eagles had been to the NFC Championship game four years in a row. My Buccaneers, 2002, had knocked them out in the January 2003 playoffs in the NFC title game and closed them down in the vet. Then they went to the Super Bowl um, again the the, um, following year, and Tom Brady and the Patriots beat Donovan McNabb T.O. back from injury and the Philadelphia Eagles and Andy Reid and company. And then Andy Reid went, what, 16, 17 years before getting back in the big game last year with the Chiefs and winning it. And for Bruce Arians, he's a coaching lifer. Uh, I've said this on so many interviews. He is he is beloved. He is fantastic to deal with. You always know where you're sitting with him in a good way. Straight shooter, uh, fantastic guy to be around success in Indianapolis as the interim coach for Chuck Pagano when Pagano got sick at the beginning of the year with leukemia and, and Bruce Arians coached the rest of the year and got him in the playoffs. Won the NFL coach of the year as an interim coach. Then went to the Arizona Cardinals and got them to the NFC title game, the doorstep of the Super Bowl. Cam Newton and the, pa- and the Panthers knocked them out five years ago in the NFC title game to go to the Super Bowl. Now he is there. Uh, again, for a guy that has been a football coach for 40-plus years at the college and pro level, this is the culmination of all of that hard work. And you want to win it for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is to go get Bruce Arians a ring. You, you do not know 
in the fragile postseason worlds of all of sports, you don't know if you're going to get another opportunity. So take advantage of the one in front of you here and go get him a ring. And a lot of these other veterans and guys that have been hanging here, you don't. I still remember saying over and over again, Tyler Jones back in 2003, January 2003, savor this, Buccaneer fans. You don't know when it's going to happen again. You don't know when you're going to be in position to do this game. And I had so many people talk, oh, come on. You go, we're going to be back this year. We're going to repeat. We're going to win three or four now that we have Gruden. Took 18 years to get back in the big game. There are high school seniors in and around the Tampa Bay area and everywhere in Florida that have no idea because they weren't around the last time the Bucs played in the big game. So my point again is take advantage of this opportunity if you're the Bucs and for Bruce Arians, et cetera. You're not guaranteed for next season. How many more years can Bruce Arians coach at 67? He's had health problems. I don't know how many more years he will coach. He said on local radio earlier um, last week, midweek, that, hey, he wants to be back. He wants to go for two, wants to go for a repeat if they get it. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but there are no guarantees here. Take advantage of the one in front of you and go get that Super Bowl win uh, for Arians. And it would be uh, a storybook story for him as a, as a coaching lifer, for sure. All right, last question before we let you go. I know yeah. you already picked the Bucks to win. What type of game do we see? How do you see this ultimately playing out on Sunday? That can't have shocked you, by the way, that no, I took no, the Buccaneers. No, no. That, I mean, I think you know yeah. deep down inside what's really going to happen, but you 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 pulled the PR on us, but go ahead. But, I mean, the bottom line is like, you're, you're, it's expected. It's expected yes. that it's hot in Florida in the summertime. It's expected that it's cold and nasty in the Midwest. You're in Omaha now. These things are expected. April 15th, it's expected. you got to do your taxes. You got. I mean, these these are givens. Um Look, the, uh, the bottom line is, I, I again, go back to, you're not going to hold Patrick Mahomes without being able to score points. The, the Chiefs are going to get in the neighborhood of 24, 27 points, something like that. I firmly believe that. Unless the Buccaneers just put a defensive gem together, and even if it's a defensive gem, it's probably holding them to 13, 17, something like that. I'll take the Buccaneers to win with Brady getting enough points to get this done, something like 34-27, 31-27, somewhere in the neighborhood where the Bucs are in the low 30s. I don't even know what the under-over is for the game. I imagine it's somewhere in the mid-50s, something like that. Buccaneers are getting three points, three and a half points, depending on where you look. But I'll go something like 31-24, 34-27. I think the Buccaneers can put enough points up. Uh, with their weapons. I mean, you mentioned Travis Kelsey and uh, Hardman and those weapons out of the backfield uh, as well. Um, but we're going to find out if Claude Edwards-Hilaire is good enough to play. We haven't seen Le'Veon Bell really at all in this. Uh, what can, You know, the Chiefs weapons, but what about the Buccaneer weapons? Leonard Fournette catching the ball out of the backfield now with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, even if Antonio Brown can't play. Scotty Miller, a deep threat. We didn't see Gronkowski featured very much. They've been using him a lot as a blocker. Didn't see him featured very much in the in the Green Bay game. Might they have something for the Chiefs? The Bucs have got plenty of weapons, too. It is foolish for any Kansas City fans that are listening in your audience on the Jones Report to think the Bucs are not going to get 21, 24, 27 points. They've been scoring on everybody down the stretch of the season. That will happen. Do the Chiefs outscore them? That's the real question comes Super Bowl 55, my friend. And the over-under, by the way, is 56 and a half. It is I was close. Did you see that some joker over the weekend, 
Somebody over the weekend put $2.3 million down on the Buccaneers plus three and a half to win $2 million. This is how Tyler Jones rolls, people, on the Jones Report. He put a $2.3 million bet down to win $2 million bucks on the Bucks on the Buccaneers. That's the largest bet at the moment on either team that's documented. So we'll see. If that increases later on in the week, man. One day, one day I would love to be able to throw down that amount of cash, yeah, but we're not there right now. The over-under is 56-and-a-half. That's the second largest in Super Bowl history. Are you thinking like me, high 20s, low 30s, that that score is somewhere around 55, 56 points like the Vegas guys think? I think I'm, it's got to be. It would be a life, shock. I'm thinking that life is too short to bet the under. So give me the over in 56 and a half. Should be a high-scoring affair. Um, just don't be like the last time Brady was in the Super Bowl against the Rams a few years back in uh, that ugly affair. Let's, let's not do that. Oh, yeah. They didn't have a touchdown until the fourth quarter. It was the first Super Bowl ever, and there have been some ugly ones back in the late 60s and the early 70s that didn't have a touchdown to the fourth quarter. few guarantees in life. I'm going to guarantee we get a touchdown before the fourth quarter in Super Bowl 55. That's a that's a TJ guarantee on the Jones report. All right, there, there's your uh, first uh, prop bet for uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> TJ, you got the uh, Three Duck Thursday podcast. You're going to be on the sidelines of the Super Bowl. Tell us uh, where people can find you all this week, man. Listen, I'm going to have a blast all week getting ready for the Super Bowl. Three Dog Thursday, wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for the plug on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them. Uh, love that. And then again, we're on Buccaneers radio all throughout Sunday afternoon and evening. Again, if you're coming from outside of the area into the Tampa Bay area, 98 rock, 98 rock is our flagship station. The Buccaneers radio network is heard all over uh, Florida, all over central Florida and the Buccaneers mobile app as well. I have uh, I have been waiting my entire broadcast career. I've been to two previous Super Bowls to be part of a Super Bowl broadcast. I will get to live that out coming this Sunday. Excited about that. Whatever happens, and I believe it'll be a big night for the Bucs, but whatever happens, we'll be on the call on Buccaneers Radio. A thrill to be with you, Tyler, to be talking about it in advance. Yes, uh, no doubt about it, TJ. Uh, I know that you'll have a lot of fun, and uh, the people of Tampa are certainly deserving of this opportunity. Uh, I wish I was down there and that we were grabbing Dunkin' Donuts because America runs on that, but <laughs> I took a job about two months ago in uh, the state of Nebraska, so that got put on hold. I, I was going to crash at, crash at in, the Reeves' house and everything. We, we were going to have a great time. Hey, you are not the only one. There have been about 15 requests to come crash at the Reeves' house and come have donuts. The Saturday tradition with my uh, with my twins is to go have donuts. We will have Super Bowl Saturday donuts uh, coming up this week prior to the game. So thank you for remembering that. This is going to be a ton of fun coming up here. Cannot wait for the game, uh, but it, it's going to be a very interesting week uh, this week. I'll share again uh, with your audience. I don't believe we talked much about this in the conversation because we talked about so many different things. My family and I were down in and around the NFL experience and all of the fun fan stuff. If you're coming to this area, there's a ton of fun fan stuff that you can do in and around downtown Tampa for the game. So it's already cranking up early on in the week here. I cannot wait for Saturday, Saturday night to turn into Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday. I have lived here for 38 years, 38 years. That's older than Tyler Jones has been on the planet. And now we're going to host a Super Bowl with the Bucks in it. Wild stuff, my friend. I look, I look forward to reporting back with you. 
No doubt. We got to run. Uh, we'll be back here on Thursday for another edition of the Jones Report. Until then, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram at Tyler Jones Live. Subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. And we'll see you back here later on this week. For TJ Reeves and Tyler Jones, thanks so long.